0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. This is Aaron Carey. And I got to say, I'm a little bit nervous about today's podcast episode. I am bringing someone so special onto the show that it's honestly kind of intimidating. But I will say he is the most attractive guest that I've had on the show. And he is my husband, Richard Carey. So Richard, welcome to the show.
1: I am really glad to finally be on your podcast. I've been talking about this for a long time and also really glad that you've not described anyone else as the most attractive person on your podcast. Yeah, so
0: that, that would be awkward. Yep. Uh, well, let me give a little bit of background on Richard because I'm telling you when, when I read all of his qualifications and when I share with you how amazing he is, you'll wonder why I haven't had him on the show before. So Richard's two-word purpose statement in life is cultivating identity. He enjoys supporting people who find themselves stuck in the messiness of life and helping them find freedom by focusing on all aspects of their being, spiritual, physical, mental and emotional. He loves it when any client finds their true identity and begins to live life with their identity as their firm foundation. Because of his experience in working with adolescents for over 15 years, Richard excels in working with that population, but also finds enjoyment in working with couples, whether dating, engaged, or married. And I have not mentioned this. He's a licensed professional counselor. That's important to know as well. He earned a master's in counseling from Dallas Theological Seminary He's been counseling since 2012. He became a fully licensed professional counselor in 2018. And this is, we both joined this counseling practice together. Of course, you know, we know I'm not a counselor. I am a health coach. But we recently moved to join a practice together to work on everybody's whole body health, mind, body, spirit. And I'm just excited to have you on the show because you have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to things like just marriage and relationships and establishing intimacy whether that's emotional intimacy or physical intimacy so um yeah so what's your favorite thing about working with marriages
1: marriages are complicated and i think that's why i like them there's always a lot of energy in the room um from at least one of the partners right and hopefully uh, both of them but you know the just having the energy in the room, having two people to work with, it, it can be a little complicated sometimes, kind of maneuvering uh, the conversation between the partners, but um, that's the one that probably gets me most excited.
0: Yeah, and I, one thing that I really admire about you that I am not as good at is you're not afraid of confrontation. You're a very peaceable person. You're very chill. Um, you're, If anybody understands Enneagram numbers, he is type nine on the Enneagram, but he's not afraid to jump in and get into the messy stuff, which I don't love that, but you don't mind calling people out on their crap, right?
1: Yeah. And it's something I've had to learn how to do. I mean, even when we first got together, I, I don't think I really knew how to be assertive in a really healthy mm. way. And I think a lot of times it was kind of codependency. It was me wanting, you know, you to be different, you to make changes. And I remember you telling me when we were dating, like, Hey, this is a you thing. This is your problem. And uh, that was eye-opening for me um but it you know it started with those messy assertive statements and now you know just through my training but also um you know my career path you know i've learned how to, to step in and lean in when i need to for sure
0: yeah, it's interesting. I think when we first got together, I was, I had recently been through a 12 step program and I had been acknowledging my own codependency and I was in a healthier place and I was able to separate myself from some of those, you know, conversations that get messy where it's like your stuff was, um, bothering me to the point where I felt like I needed to fix you. And I was able to step aside and release that. But as we have been together, I think now I am more codependent than you and you're the healthier one. (laughs) How is that possible?
1: But you know, what's funny when I think going back real fast, like I I think what's, what's funny to think back on is that used to piss me off so bad. When you would say, this is not a me thing. This is a you thing. I used to get so angry at that, that concept. Of me having to deal with my stuff and, and my stuff leaking out on you—that was really the issue. And so, you know, I think just over time, you know, we've we've learned how to navigate those conversations mm-hmm. a lot better. And I think just to you know to answer your question I, again, I I point back to my training. I point back to the fact that I had to be in counseling uh, to get my degree and work through some stuff. Then, uh, while we were dating, I was working on stuff, and, and so I think that's how. You know, that's how I got better at that, you know.
0: How important do you think it is for people who, because, you know, you do marriage counseling, and so you see couples together, but how important do you think it is for people to do work on their own, just one-on-one with a counselor, not with their spouse? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. We're actually talking about that up at Living Well at our practice of just how to do that better, because what we're learning, right, Mm -hmm. is that people who have individual issues sometimes those are going to block you from being able to make any progress as a couple um and and so what, what we're starting to lean towards or what i want to lean towards is starting to do some really intensive intakes with couples before we ever agree to kind of long-term care it's like hey we we need to see really see and assess if you're capable right now as a couple to make progress and, and if you're not like we need to send you in an individual care for a little while so you can get to a place where you can come into this room with your partner and actually, you know, again, see some growth, see goals created, established, and, and pursued. Uh, and then see them get healthier as a couple. Because I, I do, I think there's a lot of people who come in wanting to get help as a couple. And, and one or both people just can't do it because of their own trauma, their own mm. stress, uh, their own experience in relationships. And it complicates it. So I I think we're, we're trying to get better at Which couples are really ready for couples couples therapy and which couples need to be separated for a little bit?
0: Yeah, I think that's hard because we all have so much, you know, a whole lifetime of crap that we bring into a marriage. And whether you're, you know, 23 and getting married or 43 and getting married for the first time... There's a lot of stuff to work through in order to show up in a healthy way for another person that's not a codependent way, that's not a controlling way, that's not a, I mean, like, there's a lot going on. What would you say, as of right now, the work that you've done with marriages, what is the number one issue that you've seen in people, um, just for them personally, that has caused them to not be able to show up in a healthy way in their marriage?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, would, I used to say, you know, if this was years ago before I started doing uh, trauma therapy training and all that, I used to say like 99% of people are coming in with some sort of codependency issue, right? Um, whether that be uh, them finding their identity or their needs and other person expecting that to happen. And again, we talked about earlier where, you know, their problems aren't their problems. It's their, their partner's problem. But now I would add into that really just people who have experienced trauma um mm-hmm. or you know again like acutely stressful situations in their upbringing cuz what we're seeing right is that that kind of, that stuff is showing up right because whatever their their stressful or or traumatic moment was they began to believe something about themselves that wasn't true they had this negative cognition and over time you know as they face more acutely stressful things or they face more trauma that negative cognition gets confirmed in their lives and so when they come into, again, to a room with three people in there with a as a couple, I can tell you in the first session, you begin to see some of those negative cognitions. You begin to see where that trauma is really still impacting that person to this day. Um, and and they've learned based on their trauma, based on their stress, based on their previous relationships, they've learned some behavior um, that they, they think is going to be adaptive when a lot of times it's maladaptive.
0: Ooh, yeah, that is a good point, And I definitely want to touch back on that. But before we do, I want to take a second and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped. Ho, 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 ladies. The holidays came early, not only for you, but also for your man here at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products that your man will actually use, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give the man in your life the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use code SPARK for 20% off and free shipping. Harry Jingle Balls are a thing of the past with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Now I'm sitting here with my husband Richard, who is my special guest today. And we've been together for 13 years. 12 of those years have been married. And after that many years of being with him, I have realized that hygiene is important and it makes a difference in our intimacy and so this is actually an amazing gift to give your husband because this is the gift that keeps on giving inside the performance package 4.0 you will find the signature Lawnmower 4.0 this electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin safe technology It's also waterproof, so he can use it in the shower. It's like a gift to yourself with less mess. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner. Keep his North Pole feeling and smelling fresh. Their hygiene bundle also comes with a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxers that'll keep his junk feeling fresh all day. The perfect package... For his perfect package. Am I right, Richard? You are 100% correct. (laughs) manscaped is going beyond the groin with their new ultra premium body wash oh this is fun i can't wait to share about this it's infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep his skin feeling clean nice and moisturized it smells so good i guarantee that you're going to want to use his body wash too they also just launched their new two-in-one shampoo and conditioner which has key ingredients with benefits that include hydrating nourishing conditioning the scalp and strengthening his hair at the same time and i know for sure this is one product that Richard really loves. It smells good and you have personal experience with enjoying how it's working for you as well.
1: Yeah, as soon as I opened up the package, I yeah, no pun intended there, and I opened the <laughs> bottle and smelled it. I was like, yeah, I'm opening this right now and I'm using it today. I love it. It's foamy, it's thick, and it smells like a man.
0: That's right. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products. So get your man, your dad, your brother and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SPARK at Manscaped.com. Every guy has Manscaped on their wish list. Get him products he'll actually use this holiday season. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SPARK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code SPARK. Get your man a gift you'll both enjoy, the gift of Manscaped. Now, Richard, we are talking about your work with couples and marriage therapy, and you were talking about how trauma that somebody can have going into marriage can factor into their relationship and in their marriage and coping skills that maybe or adaptive skills that worked for them as a single person. It doesn't quite work in marriage. So can you give an example of, of how that shows up? You know, I don't, I'm not
1: sure if it's so much a coping skill, but I think about people who tend to struggle in conflict, you know, they, they tend to struggle with engaging in it, with staying in it, with resolving it. And when you're single, when you don't have, you know, someone you're living with, that you can get away from, I I think one coping strategy is just to avoid, you know, it's a negative coping strategy they've learned from their past is just to avoid, right? So it's just, I don't feel safe, or it's not safe to feel safe, or I'm in danger. And so they go into fight or flight mode. And for avoiders, it can look like a little bit of both, like there can be this moment where they've been avoiding stuff for so long that they pop off. Uh, and go into fight mode and then when you know the conflict doesn't resolve when it gets worse uh, then they want to they want to flee right and so both of those things are are tendencies of avoiders that again you can do as a single person but um when you're married when you're in a relationship you can't do that
0: yeah no that's true and I think gosh if I just think through some of our biggest conflicts i mean I know for me I, I was used to just yelling and shouting things probably <laughs> like to my sister to my brother right like just how the the conflict that I was familiar with before we got married was sibling conflict or being annoyed with my parents and saying things but that does not translate to a marriage and there are things that ways I would try to act or things I would try to say that it didn't work for you and we really had to establish okay even in conflict, we're on each other's side. We're on the same team. But that's really hard to do in the heat of the moment.
1: I remember for us, like early on, like I think one of the things I used to do as an avoider was when we would get into conflict and you would say something back to me, there were these moments where I would say like, I'm leaving. I'm I'm, I'm getting out of here. And you took that to mean... Oh, I'm like done with the marriage. And I just meant like, I've got to get out of this room. Like I've I've got to be away for a minute. I didn't know how to, I wasn't communicating that well. Right. And that's what I found out from you was like how hurtful those words were, how scary those words were. And so I had to really even change as an avoider, kind of making sure I'm dialoguing with you in a way that's healthy and going like, Hey, like I, I just need a little bit of space to like process this deal or calm down, but I do want to, I do want to re-engage and make sure we get resolution.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, before we go any further into that, bookmark this part of the conversation, I want to take a second and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. Now, you're putting in the work to better yourself. Why not put the same effort into your hiring process at work? It doesn't take much. It just takes Indeed. Indeed is a hiring partner that gets you what you really want. A short list of quality candidates as fast as possible because you can do it all. Attract, interview, and hire all at Indeed. Don't struggle on your own to find quality candidates. Indeed can help you hire the right people right now. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process so you can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. One of the things that I love about Indeed that makes hiring all in one place so easy is that there's no need to install anything extra. Indeed's virtual interviews work from your browser. Interview virtually with no downloads, plugins, or purchases. You can do it all in one place with Indeed. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Spark. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash Spark. Indeed.com slash Spark. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Okay, so going back to what we were discussing about the conflict styles and avoiders and how you said early on in our marriage, I I, want to touch back on that because you mentioned how you would say something like, you know, I'm done with this and I interpreted it as you're done with the whole marriage, but really you just meant the conversation and you needed a break. How important are breaks in the middle of conflicts? Like, do you think a couple should work it out, you know, for hours to find resolution or is it helpful to take a break at some point?
1: I think it's definitely helpful for couples to take breaks, especially right. Once the conflict has gotten to a place where again, they're in fight or flight mode, right. And, there's you know there's anger there's raised voices it's not you're not at that point you're not able to think rationally you're not able to be really truly cognizant of what you're doing and what you're saying and again a lot of those some of those old habits are starting to show up right Um, uh, as far as what you'd seen in communication done in your home Um, again going back to traumatic experiences going back to your previous relationships you've adopted this maladaptive these maladaptive patterns that become your new norm and so when you start getting dysregulated it's hard to bring that conversation back in and come to true resolution right you're just going to continue to be escalated and so I do think for couples there, there are definitely moments where taking a break and pausing and getting alone and getting some time to kind of cool down uh, and kind of bring themselves back to regulation like that that's when you can re-engage it but Um, but even that, even like people taking breaks from conflict is, is hard because they can't always agree on how to do that. Well,
0: yeah. And I I think it's hard because a lot of us, we were given that Bible verse, right? Like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And you can take that literally and be like, well, gosh, you know, we need to resolve this before the sun comes up. But. I I don't know, you know, my dad used to say nothing good happens after midnight, and I don't think anything good can come of conflict that lasts after midnight, because at that point, like you're saying, it's just kind of nonsensical, and then you factor in for some people alcohol is involved, and nobody's thinking straight when they've been drinking, so it can make things really complicated, so I like that. I think I, when we first got married, I felt like we needed to press through the arguments and resolve them before, so we didn't go to sleep like mad at each other, but... I think the last few big arguments that we've had, it's been good to take breaks. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, what were we fighting about? (laughs) That definitely happens. Oh, yeah.
1: And, you know, we've only done that a couple of times where I I mean, maybe twice in our entire marriage where it's been like, hey, like (laughs) one of us is going to sleep and this is going to to wait till the morning. Because again, usually those fights are like 12 or one in the morning. And you're like, what are we even talking about now? And so I remember like, uh, you know, what you're referring to, just those moments, right? The, they got to places where it was like, I'm going to say something or do something irrational. It's going to be hurtful. And so like, we've we got to take a break here or else it's it's not going to be good for us. Something something bad yeah. will come from this.
0: You know, and that also makes me think about, so we recently had Heather Hall on the podcast and she's also on staff at Living Well. And she mentioned something, and I think this would be interesting just to ask you about, about just every human needs to feel safe, going back to your trauma thing, needs to feel safe It needs to feel connection. And so how many of the arguments that we have in our marriage or that the couples you see have in their marriages have to do with some kind of ruptured connection or some kind of lack of safety? What do you think about that?
1: Well, again, I think like one of the, one of the things for us, something about our marriage is our, our relationship was long distance, which, man, that was sucky, right? Driving, like, a couple of hours every weekend just to get to town and, and being apart. But one of the things that that was a benefit to us was we we were constantly talking to one another. We were constantly mm-hmm. on the phone for hours at a, you know, at a time during the day, like, you know, 10, 12 hours a week we were on the phone together when we were dating. And that really, thankfully, put us in a position to know, like, you know, that connection, that time of us having just quality time, quality conversation is really important to us and has been established in our marriage. And we, you know, we want to make sure that we're fostering that as, as a couple, that mm-hmm. that connection is still there, that we are, we do have safety, we do have trust, we do have empathy. Um, and, and so to your point, yeah, I think it, it's obviously a lot of times it's the disconnection there has caused the rupture. It's caused like, you don't really know what's going on in my heart. You don't know what's going on in my world. Um, or I'm stressed and these, all these other factors underneath for each for individual or for the couple. And so to have that time to connect and go, Hey, let's make sure we're always on the same page in each other's lives. Um, you know, as we move forward.
0: Yeah. And I want to get into the topic of intimacy because I think this flows right. What you're saying, mm-hmm. it flows right into that because if you don't have that good connection or if you're just not, if you're not just talking about anything, it's really hard to have any deep intimacy, deep vulnerability, and emotional intimacy. Feeds physical intimacy which mm-hmm. we can totally talk about sex because we are adults and <laughs> we, are. <laughs> we are comfortable we have the sex and we're comfortable talking about the sex but I, I think it's something we <laughs> except need... for you keep saying the sex well, yeah I think we need to talk about I'm, I'm sorry I should have given like a PG-13 warning before we even got started but um, it's a marriage episode surely your kids are not in the car listening with you um, but yeah like I uh, that let's talk about in- intimacy what establishes intimacy I guess you just said it, the connection, but what else? Where is intimacy lacking in a relationship?
1: Well, you know, you've already kind of hinted at it, right? But there is the the emotional verbal connection that's really important, right? Mm -hmm. But there also is a a physical connection as far as just showing affection, Mm -hmm. giving hugs, you know rubbing shoulders, playing with hair, which you do most of those things almost every night for me. Thank, <laughs> thankfully. It's, One um, of us likes physical touch. Yeah, <laughs> and that would be you. <laughs> it's me. Um, I really like it. and really like the touch. Um, and so, you know, you've got the, the emotional, verbal, physical, but even the spiritual component there uh, as a couple, as individuals, right? Um, and then as a couple... You want to make sure that you're pursuing each other in each of those areas, right? And and so really kind of what you're asking about, right, as far as like emotional and physical being connected, emotional and sexual being connected, I think about the concept of just oneness, right? Mm-hmm. That we would have connection, right? It's just, man, do we hang out? Do we do things together? Do we have fun together? Do we laugh together? Do we have shows to watch together? Do we have hobbies and interests that are similar? Like how are we just connecting as a couple? Then you've got the emotional intimacy piece, Right where, man. I'm just gonna risk vulnerability. Like vulnerability's scary. Like even as a couple, even as a married couple, it's scary sometimes to go like, man. If I tell this person this, this mm-hmm. is gonna be hard for me to say out loud about myself or about them or about the relationship. Like it can be hard to t- take that risk and be vulnerable. But when you do, you know, you're you're inviting your partner to do the same. You're inviting them to reciprocate that same kind of vulnerability. And so there's you know there's that piece, and then there's the mutual understanding piece, right? So I, I want to make sure that I'm doing a good job of listening to you when you're sharing stuff with me, whether it's just kind of day-to-day or when it really gets into the deeper emotional, uh, spiritual components, right? And so when I have when I have connection, when I have emotional intimacy, when I have mutual understanding, that leads to oneness, which then impacts how we show up sexually for, for, mm-hmm. for one another, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, there have been times, I mean, I when... I will not feel like we're connecting at all on any level. And I've had to learn to be really assertive because it's its easier for me to stuff my feelings. It's easier for me to not want to share because I don't want to, you know... I. I don't want to cause conflict. We've got enough going on. So I don't want to say anything that's going to throw him off. But I have learned that I have to, if I'm not feeling like we're connecting, if I feel like there's something missing there, I have to say it as soon as I notice it. You're actually better at catching it than I am. But I have to say it because if I let it go, it's going to cause bitterness and, you know, heaven forbid, resentment. I don't feel like I've ever gone on any long-term resentment spell with you. But I know if I let myself... Go where I'm not addressing my feelings as they arise, it definitely could lead to that. And so I, there have been times where I've just been like, hey, Richard, I don't feel like we've connected. I need a date 9 I'm one of those people, because I have kids at home, because I have a thousand things going on at home, I like to go out. I need to get away from the home environment. Richard is, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, he's a type nine, homebody, peacemaker, chill guy. He would probably prefer connecting at home, <laughs> but I've gotta get out of this environment because sometimes it can make me crazy. So we do compromise on that often, but um, I know that I do require intentional connection time with him Or, um, to be completely honest, we're not going to be having good sex connection time. It's Mm -hmm. not going to happen. And I think a lot of husbands, um, expect their wives to be wanting one or the other or to be pursuing sex or be pursuing connection. But if you, you've got to have the mutual, what you just said, what was it? The mutual understanding, Mm -hmm. the connection and the vulnerability. You have to kind of, you have to have all of that, you, to form that foundation,
1: yeah, and and again, like what you said a minute ago, like I think you do a good job of of letting me know that, and and you know, just saying, hey, like let's get a date soon. I can always tell when you ask that question or say something. Do we, you know, do we have any plans this weekend? I know you're looking for that connection with me and, and wanting that time together. Um, for I think it's funny too. Thinking about for me, you've heard me say over the years, like. I had a bad dream last night. Like if I start having bad dreams about you <laughs> hooking up with someone else or that we're not really together anymore, or that, you know, I'm single again, all of those kind of dreams. I know, Oh, like I must be feeling disconnected from here. And then and some um, of them have been like stupid real where like I woke up crying because uh-huh. you really <laughs> have left me or had an affair or something stupid. Um, but that's a warning signal to me of go like, okay, I'm, I'm missing my wife emotionally missing her. Uh, mentally and spiritually. And so we we need to connect there before we begin to connect sexually.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's important. And I think marriage has, just like parenting, there are stages and seasons. I think marriage has those stages and seasons. And we just got through a really difficult marriage season. Not so much because of our marriage, but because of external factors that were outside of our control. Richard has had just a few really difficult years for himself personally, professionally. And I really had to lean in and be intentional about not like taking care of his emotions. I don't know how to say this. I, I wanted, I didn't want to be too codependent because I can definitely lean that way. I wanted him to be able to work on his own stuff, but not insert my opinion too much, but also be a support and that's, that's a hard line, I think, for wives and husbands, anybody, mm-hmm. to deal with. Like, how do we not jump into the other person's hula hoop? Give the hula hoop example, Richard. Let's talk about hula hoops. Yeah, because,
1: again, you were kind of describing kind of that, like, codependency type stuff, right? So, so if you think about um, – there's a, a phrase, you know, it's differentiation, right? And the, the idea is that you would be differentiated, you'd be distinguished from different than the person you're dating, your partner, right? And then – what, what comprises differentiation is composed of two words. It's composed of being self-defined and self-regulated, right? So self-defined is all about, you know, who am I as a person? What are my gifts, my strengths, my talents, my goals, my passions, my burdens, whatever it may be. Um, and so that really just makes up who I am as a person. And then the second part is to be self-regulated. So you want to be self-defined, self-regulated, right? As, and I'm able to kind of deal with my emotions in a healthy way i'm able to cope with life stressors and discomfort and push through pain and all those good things and so when you're self-defined self-regulated you're now able to be differentiated from people in relationship and so where that gets thrown off right is if someone is not self-defined or self-regulated in their relationship with someone else the odds are they're going to look to that other person to do those things for them right and so when you think about the hula hoop idea it's like I want to pretend there's a hula hoop around me and a hula hoop around you or anybody I'm in a relationship with and I'm going to stay out of their hula hoop. They're going to stay out of my hula hoop. And whenever we're not doing that, right, that I'm depending on someone else to tell me who I am and to, to tell me what I need to do to get, you know, how to fix my feelings, I'm depending upon the other person in a codependent way, mm-hmm. right? I've become enmeshed or, you you know, you imagine the hula hoops like getting entangled with one another. You can't hula hoop properly if you're in someone else's hula hoop. And so that's that's the illustration, the symbol there is just that you want to be separate people in their own hula hoops together in a relationship and not two together, which mm. is the codependent part.
0: Yeah, and we can hula hoop in the same direction, but uh, we just don't want to jump into each other's hula hoop where it throws, throws the rhythm off. And I, I think I just love that analogy. I think it's so helpful because... My tendency, yeah, if you're going through a hard time, I want to jump in there and either fix it or, you know, tell you what you should be doing. And I went through a situation six years ago now when I was leaving teaching and I knew that it was probably time, but I was really struggling with the administration at the school that I was working with and I just felt stuck and I felt like I was not, um, able to really do the things that I wanted to do as a teacher, as far as caring for the students and being present for them because of all the, you know, the state testing that we had to do all of that. And it just really got me down. And I wanted you, I think at one point I even told you, I was like, tell me what to do. (laughs) I want you to tell me what to do. And, and that's where it's hard, right? Like, because there are times where it's, I want your advice and you want my advice, but I also have to be self-regulated enough. And know myself enough to where I'm constantly processing and sorting out. Which goes back to what we said in the beginning about that one-on-one counseling piece being huge. You and I both had had to do a whole lot of separate counseling for ourselves Mm -hmm. before we even got together. And I think that that made a huge difference in our marriage.
1: Yeah, because we both, you know, to a certain extent knew what we were bringing in. We both knew kind of our wounds and our our issues and how we showed up. And um, we had done enough work to be aware of those things and where some of that stuff was coming from. You know, I was I was in counseling right before you know I, you and I met, and the whole reason was I couldn't stay in a relationship. I kept hopping out of these relationships, mm-hmm. like for the dumbest reasons. These were great, great women, um, but man, it, there was there was some junk showing up in my life. I'm going to keep referring to junk on the Manscaped <laughs> episode, um, and so. Um, you know, I had gone to counseling knowing, like, I, I want to be able to stay in a relationship and not hop out. And I remember that my counselor, day one, he's like, I know your problem. And I'm like, day one, he already knows my issue. And he was like, you reject people before they can reject you. And I was like, holy moly, that is that is absolutely what I do. That's who I am. I, I reject people before they can reject me. I, I put up that defense and that guard, and I pushed them away so that I don't get hurt. And, and so for me, knowing that coming in, like that's that how I operate. And, you, you know, we saw that the first few years of our marriage, we saw that wound kind of continue to pop up where I was mm-hmm. fearful of really not being wanted. And when I felt unwanted, you know, had these moments of just, you know, lashing out and being hurt and, and negatively interpreting things that you were saying that weren't true. Um, and so been a work in progress, but yeah, we both came in kind of knowing kind of where our issues were stemming from.
0: Yeah, yeah, and but here's the question: How can how can someone become more self aware? Is there a way to do it without counseling? Because and then and then you have people they just don't want to deal with it. That's not that big of a deal. I don't want to get into, it. or you don't want to think about the hard things. What about somebody who's in a relationship with somebody who just doesn't doesn't want to deal with their issues? What then?
1: Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, honestly, like, if you if you're with someone now who's not putting in the work on themselves or not trying to see themselves get better in whatever area of life. Don't expect them to, to start doing that once they get married. Um, mm. I, I, that is one thing yeah. I've seen in engaged couples over and over again of like, I know that this person has these issues. I know that they're not working on them to get any better, but I'm just going to expect that once we get married, then they'll work on those things. And it's mm-hmm. like, why did you, you know, why did you go in thinking that? Right. And so really, you know, going back to your, your other question you asked, like, I do think counseling is important for people, right? Can you get support from friends? Can you process with friends? Absolutely. But they're going to be approaching it from such a biased perspective, a subjective perspective with you like that. They're just, they're always going to, you know, say the nice things and they're always going to give their opinions. And they're and as soon as you tell them a story, they're going to go like, oh, I remember this one time for myself when that happened and, and really <laughs> kind of steal the spotlight from you. Whereas a therapist, a counselor can kind of be uh, very neutral in the way that they approach you, right? And they're not coming in at it from a subjective experience, they are coming at it from a you know, more objective experience and perspective. And so that's to me is where the difference is and why counselors are important is because they can provide that kind of space for you to process for yourself and really figure out, man, who am I and where am I going and what I want in life and what I want in this relationship and to be to be able to work on those things for yourselves as individuals and as a couple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I think it is. I mean, we already touched on it, but I, I just think it's so important. And I don't know, both of us, the problem with having you on this episode and me, the two of us, we really hate when people are stuck. We really hate when people are stuck and, not not able to take steps forward to change. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. that's why both of us mm-hmm. do what we do, but, um, but it is hard. We both have a lot of compassion though. I will say because of our own stuff, <laughs> a lot of mercy, um, when it comes to feeling stuck, but, um, we both very much desire for people to be moving in a direction towards wholeness and healing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's funny. Cause you know, one of the things that I adopt as a person just out of, again, my own, trauma, my own acute stress is I, I tend to be a rescuer, like Mm. just by nature. I'm kind of a rescuer. That's what I like to do. And I I think even some of that showed up, you know, again, early on in our relationship. And, and so even with clients, like I, I, I sometimes want to rescue them. That's a hard thing to not, to not do to to Mm -hmm. kind of step back and go, okay, this is my answer of how I deal with life. And how I cope with, you know, the things I I deal with is to rescue. I mean, i got to pull that back as a counselor and and be aware of that and really let the client be the one who does the work and and let them uh, experience healing on their own and not because I'm trying to rescue them.
0: Yeah. You know what we need to talk about that we have not touched on is we need to talk about emotions and men. And sharing emotions as a man. And there's just this cultural, I don't know if it's Western culture. I don't know if it's for all time. I don't know if it's the patriarchy. I don't know what it is. But there's this idea that men, you know, shouldn't cry, show emotion. Men need to be strong, um, act like men, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, be a man, whatever those things mean. And and I, I, it makes me sad because mm-hmm. we do have two boys who have... A full range of beautiful emotions Mm -hmm. and we could so easily shut those down but what do you see as a counselor with men and emotions and what are your thoughts on how to show them in a healthy way
1: well what i see right i mean you know it's stereotypical i think there's a generalization but yeah i think i think more of my male clients struggle with how to share feelings right the one that always say they can share they know is anger it's like okay but Okay, but anger is a secondary emotion, right? That there's something else that caused your anger. So let's, what's that feeling? Uh, so all I'm frustrated. I'm like, okay, that's that's just another word for anger. You know, I was, I was annoyed. Okay, well, that's, you're st- you're still using angry words. Okay, so how do we get with the actual feeling? And. And that's what's gonna be the thing that's gonna be important to dive into is the actual feeling that you have, not just the anger. So like is it sadness, is it pain, is it loneliness, is it, you know, is it guilt or shame? Like what's going on that's mm-hmm. happened to you that you know, so you can become aware of the emotion, right? And and then share that emotion with others, right? Um, and so a way to do that, I think, for, for people is to is just to become more aware of their bodies, just to take notice of where certain feelings show up. Um, I give my a lot of my clients Just a feelings wheel Where they can look at Kind of the six You know Six core feelings And the kind of where they go from there And they get more specific And just kind of Ask them to identify Which which word Kind of connects with you what, what do you think you're feeling And so then they can share Well this is what I'm really feeling Right It's not anger It's man I felt disappointed I felt pain I felt You know Distraught When you didn't come home on time Or whatever it may be Right And so Um so just really connect with the feeling. So again, so they can go back to their partner and share that.
0: So is that a good way to practice active listening? Um, if you're a man and you want to express, you know, some concerns with your wife and you know, like take out a feelings wheel and and share in some kind of a healthy way, like when this happens, I feel this. Is that a good active listening tool to practice? I mean, for women too, for any of us, is that something that would be beneficial in a marriage?
1: Sure, you have to have the the listening in, right? If we're gonna again, if we're gonna risk vulnerability. We have to have someone who again is gonna create that safe, warm, empathetic, trust filled environment. Um, and the hope is when you when you take that risk, right, that you share something uh, that's emotional. If, if, again, for as a guy, um, you hope that your partner, ladies, I hope that you're responding in a way that goes. I want to make sure if he's gonna risk this, if he's gonna share this with me. I want to make sure that I affirm and validate his emotion. And so the way I do that is by listening well Hmm. and just going, okay, let me, let me see if I can just connect with the feeling. Okay. Wow. You were disappointed that I didn't do this, you know, or your, you, your feelings were hurt because of the way I talked to you earlier. Right. And then people to go, okay, this is what I hear you saying. This is what I think is happening for you. And it's real awkward in the counseling room and I don't tend to do it very often. Right. They do the whole like, what I think I heard you say was right. <laughs> and it's like, no one talks like that in real life. Um, you know, I, I do mean, on the
0: podcast. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and yeah, no, but to your credit, right. You do a good job of that with me. You don't say that. I don't, I think what I hear you saying, it just feels really condescending to me, honestly. Hmm. Um, but you'll just say, okay, I, I think what you're telling me, you know, what I, what's going on or I mean, I'm feeling like I'm hearing anger. I feel like I'm hearing frustration. And you'll even ask what's underneath that. What's going on for you? Right. It's like, OK, let me slow down and connect again with myself and go, OK, what's the real feeling underneath here? And when you do that, when you validate what I've said, when you say, wow, you seem really upset right now. And I go, yeah, I'm upset. And I go, I, man, I'm just frustrated. And, OK, wow. It's, you sound frustrated. Like, yep. And, and here's why I'm frustrated. I get to the point now. Right. I, I need someone. Guys need someone who's going to provide that, you know, that very uh, understanding, listening, listening. Making sure I hear you and understand you as a person, posture for and for both both sides, obviously. But for for these guys who are asking to share more feelings, if they're going to take the risk of share, they got to they got to receive affirmation and validation from that.
0: Mm, yeah, that's true because it, it's so easy for me as a wife to instantly get defensive and be like, well, I didn't mean it like that. Or I'm sorry, but (laughs) that's my classic move that I did. I think we first got married is I'm sorry, but well, that negates everything. Um, And I had to, you know, one of the things that I, I like to share with people that I still to this day remind myself in my head when we're having a discussion is that I have to love Richard more than I love my pride because my pride makes me want to fight back and say something to one-up the conversation or to escalate the conversation. But sometimes I just have to step back and and not shut down, but hold back from what I really want to say that could be damaging because, man, you cannot take back those words. The things that people say in conflict, they they never go away. They're always there. You can apologize. You can forgive, all of that, but they linger. Um, and before, before we finish this conversation, I do want to touch on those four areas that hinder communication and i know we've talked about that before it's withdrawing escalation negative interpreting negative interpreting and what's the last one invalidating Mm -hmm. can you give like just a real quick one run through oh i can't talk um of what each of those things are and that so that way like as as we're finishing up people can listen and go hmm i wonder which one i am and where can i improve
1: yeah so there's um there's withdrawal right so or withdrawing um So those people are the people who want to avoid, right? So they're going to leave the room. uh, They're going to leave the house. They're going to, you know, they're going to turn the body posture away from the person. They're going to cross their arms. You know, they're going to just kind of check out and want to be done with the conversation. So they're going to try to withdraw as as quickly as possible. Uh, The second person is, um, you know, the escalator, escalation, right? So you take very neutral situations and ramp them up. You, you get louder, you throw things, you, you shout things, you call names, you do anything you can do to take that moment from kind of just chill to, you know, let's go, right? Um, then you have the negative interpretation, right, or negative interpreters. Those are people who take, a, again, a neutral statement and make it negative about themselves. So, um, I, you know, we joke about the fact that I'm, I'm probably a negative interpreter, you know, so taking like when we were first married and you were like, I don't really like this chicken cooked this way. And I took it to meant like you're a terrible husband. <laughs> That's not what you were saying at all. So, again, you take those neutral statements and make them negative about yourself. Um, Man, the, the house is a mess. Oh, you're saying I'm, I'm a terrible mother? It's like, no, no, no. I just said the house is a mess. Okay, so um, withdrawers, escalators, negative interpreters, and the last one is invalidators, right? And so again, kind of similar to withdrawers, they're going to cross their arms, they're going to make sarcastic comments, they're going to roll their eyes, they're going to chuckle or laugh, which you you know I, I love that one. I,
0: I laugh when it's <laughs> uncomfortable, and so I don't mean to invalidate. It's just I feel uncomfortable about conflict. <laughs> Some
1: of our biggest fights were when we were kind of just getting started in the fight, and then you would laugh, and I would, <laughs> it would just send me into a, a fury.
0: Bye. No, it's not you would it, well, and that would escalate it, right? Yeah. Like it's totally. so all these things like go together.
1: So yeah, so yeah, so the invalidators, right? They're gonna they're gonna laugh, they're gonna roll their eyes, they're gonna make faces, you know, they're gonna huff and puff. And so when you have any of those things present in a conversation, it, it's it's going to get worse.
0: Yeah, and I just I, I love how you explain those, and you explain those in a really nice, distinct way. By the way, good job. Um But because like we all we all do it, and so to be able to catch ourselves on that and go, okay. How am I showing up and how do I need to change it so I'm not that person, you know? Um, okay, fun question. What is your favorite thing about marriage? <laughs> um, okay. The sex. So, just kidding. Well, but I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: well, it's definitely, definitely good. Definitely a great area of our relationship. I want to go back and normalize something real fast and then I'll, I'll share my answer. It's not just that like I want to ask guys about their feelings. I want to normalize for my clients and for my friends that you feel, right? Yeah. As a human being, you have emotions. You have feelings. You may not be checked in with them or tapped into them or understand them, but they're there, right? And so uh, so going back right to your question, what I love about marriage, what I love about us is that we do – we do have that emotional connection. We do have that emotional intimacy. And I was going to say this later, too, just to kind of bring it into the next part of what I love about our marriage and what I love about us, right? Is that going back to that emotional intimacy impacts sexual intimacy. Because I believe our emotional intimacy is so strong, and what I love about us is that it does impact the sexual and it impacts the the way that we connect during our sexual intimacy it impacts the passion with which we have our sexual intimacy i mean it it really does bring those things together and so i I, for me i would just say our intimacy overall is what i love about marriage
0: Mm -hmm. i would say that it's fun it's fun being married to you um i am I am all over the place and Richard is really chill and he has just walked beside me through every step of my, oh, I have this idea or I'm going to start a podcast or, (laughs) and he's been right there encouraging me and dreaming with me and, and it's fun. It's, it's a true partnership. And I, we could do a whole other episode about that. And maybe we should just about how to really be your partner's partner. Um, because we don't have these like roles that we follow. We don't, it's not like he's, he's the man. So he does this thing and I'm the woman and I do this. Like, that's just not, we, we share a lot of the responsibilities and we split things pretty evenly. Um, I joke that, that sometimes like, you know, again, going back to the stereotypes that we have, sometimes he's better about sharing his emotions and showing his emotions than I am. And that's encouraging to me. And that reminds me to be more vulnerable. So I love that. Okay, so final question. If you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be?
1: Well, I'll just stick in this realm since we've been talking about relationships. Uh, it is. It would be to risk vulnerability, hmm. right? Um, take a chance today. If there's someone that you care about, someone you love, someone you're married to that you need to share something with, just to take a chance and go, you know what? I'm I'm going to risk vulnerability in the hopes that it sparks our relationship or sparks me as a person to connect with other person. That's kind of, that's what I was saying about us. I just, I love our connection, our partnership. Um, and so thank you for having me on your show. I love you. I hope we should, we should another one of these where we just tell stories about our marriage, just like all the fights, all the dumb things we we've done and just talk, you know, reveal all the bad stuff.
0: We should cause there is, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff, but we've definitely, we've grown. We've had to go through some, All sorts of things. So yeah, so I appreciate you being on. And if anybody is looking for an amazing male counselor, I know his schedule is pretty much almost full, but you never know when he has an opening and he's at livingwelltyler.com. You can email him, Richard at livingwelltyler.com and ask him how to Um, you know, do life better. I'm just kidding. I don't know. (laughs) Just, (laughs) just thank him for being on the show. But thank you, Richard. I love you. And I'm so glad that you got to be part of this amazing podcast today. Love you. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness thanks for listening to sparking wholeness for more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, Hey, find me at sparkingHoleness.com or on Instagram at sparking wholeness. Have a fabulous week.